Father, I come to you one last time before I attempt to teach from your word, and I just pray that you would help me, that you would make my words clear, and that you would give me a steady heart and a clear mind to communicate well your truth, and that your word would go forth in all this power. And I pray that all of us, that we would all have open hearts to receive it, and that we would be humble and obedient to your truth. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been very eager to begin this sermon series for quite a while now. Um, we've been going over these fairly big theological doctrinal ideas uh, since I've gotten here. And I've been wanting to do a study just through a book of the Bible since before I became pastor. Here, that's my favorite way to, to go through the Bible is to take a book at a time and start at the beginning and go to the end. Makes sense how we read most books. And uh, I just felt like there were some foundational things that we needed to discuss kind of up front. And we spent a lot of time on that, but I'm very excited to go through the book of Philippians together as a church. We're going to go through the whole book. It's probably going to carry us through the whole summer. And uh, I really think that this is going to be really good. For us, God's word is always good for us, and uh, this sermon series is born out of just an observation, I guess, that I've just noticed a lot of Christians are not terribly joyful these days, and I know there's many reasons for that, but I really think if we will study this book together, if we will apply ourselves to, to studying God's word and accept it with humility. I really think that God can bring about great joy, inexpressible joy, fullness of joy in our lives as a congregation and as individuals. So my goal in this sermon, this is like the intro sermon. In fact, we're not even going to get into Philippians today. This is the intro sermon just kind of about joy. What does the Bible say about joy? And my prayer is that each of us would leave here with a deeply rooted hope, especially those of us who are having a particularly difficult time right now in life. My prayer is that we would all leave here with deep hope that I can know joy again. So we're going to look through the Bible and, and see what it says about joy, and we're going to talk about it, and I, I'm just so excited, and I've set up a, uh, a website, many of you may have gotten an email. It's called, it's in your bulletin insert, it's called breathejoy.blogspot.com. It's a free website, so the name is long. But this is going to be a way for you to dig a little deeper, maybe. And we're going to talk about this on Wednesday nights, another way to dig deeper. For you Facebook people, I'm only talking to the Facebook people now. People who don't like Facebook, don't be on edge because I'm talking about Facebook. Uh, but if you're on Facebook, there's even a Facebook group. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I cannot think of any easier way to share the truth of God's Word with your friends. You Facebookers know what I'm talking about. So participate in it. And your friends will see that you're participating in it because you know they're all stalking you, just like you're stalking them. <laughs> and they'll see God's Word. Because that's what we're going to be chewing up on there. I'm just trying to think of a, a, a variety of ways that we can absorb this truth into our lives and to kind of Spread it out to others as well. Joy is a natural and appropriate response to something that delights us. 
That's what joy is. It's the natural and appropriate response to something that delights us. I tried to think of how to start things off with getting us all on the same page about what are we talking about? What is joy? And I thought about going through all this stuff about how it's different from happiness, but I don't know biblically if there's really that clear of a distinction. I mean, happiness comes from, like, happenstance, like, circumstantial things that are going well. But joy runs deeper than that. But happiness is associated with joy because happiness is an outgrowth of joy. So I'm not going to go real deep into any distinctions there because I just don't know biblically that I can find, find a lot of it. Uh, but I thought the best thing I can think of in my own life to figure out what is joy is my little girl Lillian. And this may have happened to some of you who have tried to talk to Lillian. She's usually in her car seat when we're at church. And if you go up and you get down to where you, she can see you and, and all the other distracting things going on, she, she focuses on your face. And if she's in a good mood, which she usually is, when she sees you, you see those big eyes, and they lock into your eyes, and she sort of takes in your face a little bit, and the smile starts in the corner of her mouth. And then she keeps looking at you, and it's sort of like a shockwave spreads over the rest of her mouth with this big gaping grin where you see her gums in there and her, her tongue's going crazy and her, her whole face is just like electrocuted with this shock of joy and her feet and legs are kicking and she's just exploding with joy in response to seeing someone looking at her she delights in that and when I see that it does not matter what has happened to me during that day I could have had a ton of painful interactions with people, I could have screwed up a lot of stuff. I could have a, a truck parked on my leg. But when I see that, I just, whatever. None of that stuff even matters. I get the same shock of joy through myself. That's what joy is to me. I get filled with joy because I delight in my little girl, Lily. And what we're going to find out as we study is that joy in our life has everything to do with what we delight in. And what we're paying attention to. I named this sermon series, Joy, What the Christian Life is Supposed to Be Like. And I know it's kind of an awkward phraseology there. Meredith and I talked about it. We're like, the Christian life is supposed to be like joy. And just like grammatically, it doesn't fit real well. But I wanted to name it that because in talking with several people, the general sense that's expressed to me is, this just isn't what it's supposed to be like. People are, are struggling with such a variety of different things, and the feeling is, man, it just doesn't seem like what it's supposed to be like. And in a sense, it's not. So that's why I think this is going to be so beneficial. I know a lot of us are facing a lot of different struggles. Some of us are already feeling some pretty serious effects of the financial meltdown that's going on. Employers are tightening their belts, which means people are losing jobs. People who are looking for jobs are having a really hard time finding jobs. People who have invested in certain things have lost all that. People who were looking forward to retirement are having to push that back. We see family members struggling with it. Gas is expensive. And it hurts to fill up our cars. We have to give up some luxuries that we used to enjoy freely. Men are struggling to provide for their families when maybe it hasn't been such a struggle in the past. 
Times are tough. Some of us are more stressed out than joyful. I mean, we live in a world where modern technology makes the whole universe available at our fingertips, which is great in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it makes it where there's no limit to our options and, and almost no limit to our ability to interact socially with people. Facebookers know what I'm talking about. No limit to the information we can consume. I typed in a Google search at one point while I was preparing my sermon, and I just glanced up at the results. If you ever do that, have you ever seen how many results come up when you search for something on Google? Whatever it was I was searching for had 160 million results. I could spend the rest of my life just looking at the information available on whatever that was I was looking for. I read that on average, people nowadays, mainly young people, text message 80 times a day. And they do it while they're on Facebook looking at their friends, and they do it while they're doing their homework with their young people. Some of them do it while they're driving their car, talking on their cell phone. And all this multitasking is, it just rips your focus from one thing to another. And the result is incredible stress. Job demands are stressful. Our responsibilities are stressful. Family stuff is stressful. One time I was sitting at a stop sign. It was on a country road. I was waiting to turn left. And I saw this big SUV coming down the road. Nothing abnormal about that. They're everywhere. But as I got closer, I couldn't quite make out what was in the driver's seat. It just didn't look like anything human. And then I realized I wasn't looking at a person. I was looking at a newspaper. The lady driving this SUV was reading the newspaper as she was driving down the road. I mean, if you're so busy that you have to multitask catching up with current events while driving your giant death machine down the road, you need to loosen up your schedule. And a lot of people are there. You wake up and you just have so much to do and you got to go and you got to do it all at the same time. One third of Americans report that they feel extremely stressed. I'm thinking maybe they just couldn't catch up with the other two-thirds to ask them. Because as I talk to people, most people feel pretty stressed out. It seems like we get more stressed out with the further we advance in life. I mean, how many of you have turned to your spouse and said, Man, do you remember back when we lived in the trailer and we had no money? Those were the good, simple times, weren't they? It's like as we get the house and we get the career going and we get the stuff that we thought we wanted... It just gets harder and more stressful. Some of us substitute busyness for joy. We fill our days. We jam-pack our days with TV and with MP3 players and radio and, and conversation and computer. But when the cell phone is dead and the TV is silent, the computer is shut down, the friends have gone home, In the silence, what is the generator in your heart producing? Is it peace and joy still? Or is there unrest there? Some of us are just depressed. And I don't know if I'm talking about clinical depression or not. Where those lines are drawn or who decides that, it's not me. But some of us are just plain depressed. Some of us feel like Dante who wrote, In the middle of the journey of our life, I found myself in a dark wood for I had lost the right path. Some of us look around our life and they're just thinking, where am I anyway? What is this? Some of us are lonely. Some of us are guilt-ridden over our own mistakes. Some of us are dealing with the consequences of our own sins. Some of us are just bored. Some of us are tired. 
Some of us are bitter and we cannot let go. Many of us are, are scared and anxious and fearful. But as I read the Bible, and as I was preparing for this series on joy, primarily I was studying Philippians, but I also surveyed the rest of the Bible just to get an idea of a reminder of what it says about joy. I can't escape from one fact. Joy is essential to the Christian life. Joy is essential to the Christian life. And I think a joyless Christian... It's kind of like an out-of-shape marathon runner. You can't exist long as a marathon runner and remain out of shape. The very act of running marathons is going to burn away the fat that hinders you. And it's going to strengthen the muscles that enable you to run. Biblically, you can't seriously follow Jesus Christ. Mind sinking down into his word. And last very long as a joyless person. The very act of following Christ, seriously, itself, burns away the fat that hinders you from experiencing joy. and strengthens the muscles that enable you to experience joy. And this seems like it should be such great news, you know? But yet sometimes it is so hard. And sometimes it's just hard to even believe that. But I do believe it, because I believe the Bible teaches it, and I believe the Bible. So that's why we're going after it. So what I have next for you is just is a run-through of some passages that talk about joy, to get a refresher course, a reminder, maybe even some new tidbits on what Scripture says about joy, to prepare us for this sermon series. I don't want you trying to flip to all these. Some of them are listed in your bulletin insert. Um, don't try to flip to all of them. Just kind of hear it. Um, Psalm 4-7 says that God offers greater joy than even when our circumstances are good. It says that God offers greater joy than when people's grain and new wine abound. Or when you can afford name brand ice cream and eating out of Carabas every week. God's joy is even greater than when our circumstances are good. It's not just when our circumstances are bad that God's joy is better. Even when our circumstances are good. David wrote in Psalm 16, 11, speaking to God, You will make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. One of the reasons David, the psalmist, loved God so much was in part because he found so much joy in God. Fullness of joy. Later on today, we're going to have barbecue chicken at home. And I'm very excited about it. She makes it in the oven with this Carolina treat barbecue sauce. It's not sweet. It's more, I don't know, vinegary or tangy. I don't know. It's so good. It's one of my favorite things. We have an imaginary list of the things that I love that Meredith cooks. And that was definitely put it on the list. Maybe she remembers all these things. I don't know. But I'm going to eat a lot of it. I'm going to eat as much of it as I have time to, probably. Because it's really good. And when I get done, I'm going to be stuffed full of barbecue chicken. And that language that David uses, fullness of spirit, that's the language he's using. In the presence of God, I mean fullness of joy. 
In the presence of God is fullness of joy. Just like I'm going to have fullness of barbecue chicken later today. Some of you, your stomachs are growling already, even though we're early. Oh, man. Are you sure we're not going to 12? Wow. The joylessness in our life that comes, that comes around that we feel, that's like a hunger pain. That's a hunger pain to be filled with the joy that can only be found in the presence of God. You know, the arrival of Jesus himself was announced in reference to our joy. The angel came to Mary and said, Behold, I've got great news. I've got good news of great joy for you. So it's not just you're going to be saved. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's huge. But it's I've got news of great joy. That's why we sing joy to the world. Jesus told his followers in John 11, uh, 15, 11, These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So Jesus taught what he taught in part so that his hearer's joy may be made full. So in a sense, Jesus wants this for us. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, Paul says, basically the reason he and the apostles are working so hard was for the early Christians' joy. Romans 14.17 says that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, it's about righteousness, peace, and joy. They were having a dispute because some people were saying, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't eat this. But some were saying, well, yeah, you can. And Paul's like, that doesn't really matter. Being a Christian, the kingdom of God isn't about, you know, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. A more famous passage, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. What's the very first one listed? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Just like apple, tree, apple trees are expected to produce apples, and something's wrong with them if they don't. Christians are supposed to develop joy. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, the fruit of that in us is joy. And there's something amiss if it's not. Not only is this joy available, it's commanded. In the Psalms, you read things like, Shout for joy in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians just says simply, I think we memorized this a while back, Rejoice always. And as we read our Bibles, we start to notice a, a common thread through all this. And that's that this joy is found in God. It's such an almost cliche, simple thing to say. But over the coming weeks, as we dig through Philippians, we're going to see a kind of a portrait of how this is lived out in different areas of life. Finding your joy in God. Joy is the appropriate response to something that delights us. So the question we have to ask ourselves if we're joyless is can we turn our attention to God like Lillian turns her attention to whoever's coming by? Are we going to be able to lift our eyes from the circumstances that are just, just totally stealing our joy and see the God, the delightful one, who the Bible promises will fill us with joy? It doesn't just promise that, you know, he'll pat you on the back. Fullness of joy. 
that transcends circumstances. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to bring this to a close. But I know that there are some of you who at some point in your weeks, even the week leading up to this one, you've asked yourself on some level, am I ever going to be joyful again? Am I ever going to come out of this darkness? Am I ever going to be able to cope with this stressful lifestyle I'm living right now? Am I ever going to be free from this anxiety that plagues me? Can this really happen? On all the authority of Jesus Christ and his word, I tell you, yes. Elias likes to watch Bob the Builder. And I'm not used to say that. I just heard him sing the song, I guess the opening song. Some of you in here may be familiar with it. You might want to sing it. Okay. That's fine. But one part of the song must be where one person says, Can we fix it? And a bunch of people scream, Yes, we can. Because Elias runs in the house just saying it over and 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 over again. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Can we be joyful? Can you be joyful? Yes, you can. But it's only through Jesus Christ. In this sermon series, I'm not going to offer you like five steps to manage your time in such a way that you're going to feel better about life. We're trying to transcend that stuff and just dive in to Jesus Christ and God through his word. Because that's where it's at. That's where the joy is. Through Christ, you can be vibrant, you can be overflowing with springs of living water. We can be joyful. I have come lately to even more of a firm and passionate belief that the Word of God is true. It is the ultimate helpful book. It is full of power and truth that will change our lives. I believe that. So I urge you, read your Bibles. Read Philippians. Dig into this with us. I've tried to make it available in in different avenues. Come on Wednesday nights where we'll discuss it more casually. If you're looking for joy, there's a guy named Edward Welch. I know it's... I have 30 minutes left. There's a guy named Edward Welch who wrote an awesome book on depression. It's called Depression, A Stubborn Darkness. And he says in there that if you're depressed, you should set out to become an expert in joy. And he backs that up biblically. And I would add to it, if you're, for whatever reason, a joyless Christian, you should set out to become an expert in joy. What have you got to lose? I I imagine you've tried a bunch of other stuff. Set out with us to become an expert on joy through God's Word. If you'll do that, I promise you, God is so gracious. He's been so gracious to us already.
We can be joyful people. And we will bring God so much glory as joyful people. That's something I wanted to go into that I don't have time for. Check out the website. Maybe I'll put it on there. Maybe they'll talk about it Wednesday. But I love you. I love you so very much. And I'm so confident that God can give me joy. And I want so badly to lead us as a congregation to that. And this is not the closing prayer, but I want to pray for us before we sing our last song. Let's pray. Father, please create in us pure hearts. Renew in us steadfast spirits within us. Do not cast us from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Please restore to us the joy of our salvation. Grant us a willing spirit and sustain us. And Lord, enable us and show us ways that we can teach transgressors your ways. And Lord, may sinners in this church and outside this church turn back to you, like your word says. And we pray this with hopeful confidence in Jesus' name. Amen.